Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. And really that's past, present, and future, kind of. Um, but <clears throat> we're going to engage with, I believe, the wildest thoughts that have ever been brought before the mind of man. And I don't care how many superhero movies you've seen. You have seen nothing. No movie producer, no screenwriter has ever dreamed of what is written in the Bible about you. And uh, that's where we get to go next. So, um, and again, we'll have an application of faith at the end of it. So, we're going to talk about life and maybe a little bit about my own life. I'll have to be quick here because I need to abbreviate some of this, but I've shared with you on September 11th, 1977, I joyfully embraced the truth that this life doesn't work without God. And it was just this amazing thing to get saved, and I, and I did feel like I'd found a life where everything was so different, it really was life, and, and it is very true that if you follow Christ, your marriage will be incredibly benefited. Your relationship with your spouse will be incredibly changed. Two people striving to pursue God and follow God, they are just gonna, they're just going to find that thing God made for them. And there are many areas of life that do get just way better uh, when you follow Christ. And in my early Christian life, I experienced that in spades. Um, and I, I loved the message, even that our church could bring. And many of you were part of bringing that message to Fort Collins. Come live a life that works. <laughs> Follow Jesus. He loves you. And this life works. Um, it's been a challenging last couple years. Uh, I think life just has gotten harder. The world's gotten weirder. But um, it's been a, a particularly challenging in my own set of circumstances in ways that I hadn't foreseen or expected. And um, a while, not too far back in the past, I, I was meditating on some unexpected things and, and I just, I just kind of realized another truth about life. Um, there's the truth that life doesn't work without God. And then there's also the truth that, um, not long ago I accepted the truth that life doesn't work without God and this life doesn't work with God either. This life doesn't work either way. You can still get cancer. Your kid can still get hit by a drunk driver. You can still have a financial disaster. All, the whole category of things that can go wrong in your life can still go wrong whether you're a Christian or not. Your friends can betray you. Just the list of things that can still happen to you. And as a matter of fact, you're going to get old, feeble, and die. So you are not gonna, you're not going to win here. This life doesn't work without God. And the Bible tells us, straight up, this life doesn't work with God either. This life doesn't work. And that's why Jesus did not come to fix this world. We're told, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Hey, if you think getting saved is just going to give you this wonderful rosy life that makes it all worth it, Paul says, I feel sorry for you. 
because it is not going to work out. It's not going to be what you expect. Now, 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 that doesn't mean lots of things don't go away and lots of problems don't resolve and there isn't tons of life that flows into you as you follow Jesus. I would not let go of my life of following Christ for anything literally in the world. So much good, so much life. But despite all that, it's not going to come together. It's not going to work. It's not going to all be like, oh yeah, okay. It all Jesus is not going to fix this life. So what that means is we do have a hope in Christ in this life to some degree, but that means we have to have a hope beyond this life. And you know what? As Christianity is taught in the West, we often don't get brought that message. We get brought the message that I brought. Follow God, life will work. And that is true in different scenarios. But there is an ultimate message. Eventually, you're going to face disappointment. There you go, this is not working. <laughs> this is not working. And Paul will peek out from the book of Corinthians and go, I told you so. The people of God have their ultimate hope in eternity. We are an eternal people. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy this life. So many dimensions of this life. I love this life. If you don't love this life, buy a motorcycle. That will help you. <laughs> and you and I all take you places. It's an amazing world. It's an amazing world. And it says in the book of Timothy that God has given us all things for our enjoyment. We don't enjoy as much as we should. You should enjoy life way more than you do. It's partly your sinfulness that keeps you from enjoying so many things given to you for your enjoyment. But ultimately, we are an eternal people. We are an eternal people. That's what the book says. And if you hold up the New Testament, unrecognized by so many people, it is a, the New Testament is a book about eternal people. It's all about eternal hope. So if you're looking for something that will make this life work, somebody defrauded you. That's not what's in the book. The book, you read it. Like when you put those glasses on, you start looking for that, you go, yeah, this whole book's about that. We're following a risen Savior. He got out of here. How many of you guys are over 30? Yeah, well, Jesus was done before he reached your age. You know, 33. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, here's a question for you. If Jesus said that, where's your hope? Your Savior said, hey, my kingdom's not here. You're his follower. What do you think that means about your life and your hope? Our kingdom, the place you're going to stand and belong, is not here. And I don't know what's going to happen with the coronavirus. And I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. And I don't know what's going to happen with the climate. But ultimately, Jesus tells me this whole place is going to burn. But he offers a whole world, another life, another world, another kingdom. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. Jesus said this just days before he died. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And so Jesus says, listen, guys, don't, I, I would never leave you. So if I'm gone, know this, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. I'm going to come and take you to be with me. That's what this is all about, right? We're together. And if it wasn't that way, I would have told you. His assumption is that we're going to be with him. Now, they thought, hey, the kingdom's going to come here. And they had some reasons to think that, reading through the Old Testament. And, and, and the message Jesus said, surprise, I'm not fixing this place. We're getting out. And you're going where you never die. And you're going where all that image of Adam comes back into you. The fullness of what I created human life to be. And we're going to live in another place forever. And of course, this is a little bit of a description of it. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. (laughs) Can you imagine that? And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Ever have moments in life where there's tears? It's going to be a moment when you're there with tears and Jesus is going to say, come here, come here. Come here. Let me give you a hug. Here, just stand there just a minute. I'll wipe those away for you. I'm so glad you're here. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. See, that's where you and I live now. That's why the Father heart cannot express himself in the same way that he did in the beginning and that he will at the end, because we're living in now what's called the old order. It's a fallen, separated world. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Now, how long does everything last? How long is it new? Well, it's new for a long time, right? It's new forever. It's new for eternity. There have been a couple things that have helped me visualize eternity. One I got from Steve Nelson. One I got from Craig Swing. Uh, One's visual and one is um, numerical. I'm going to share them both with you guys. Um, You guys might be familiar with Steve Nelson's rope. I mean, other people do this too, but I I start with Steve. You seen Steve's rope? I haven't seen Steve's rope. I got Steve's rope. Um, so, am I going to be okay over here? So, this is a really interesting rope. You see, you see it, like if you look out the window, you see it out there, outside, actually going through the window, and you can see it over on the other side. Ah, thank you for saving the clock, Daryl. Um, but, uh, and then it rolls over there, and you can see it started to go up. Actually, um. And some of the things I'm going to tell you will actually be true, but <laughs> the rope goes from there up to my room, um, and, uh, and then from there it goes out of my room, and it's Steve's rope, so it goes down the hall and then out the door at the end. Um, and, uh, and then from there it, it goes on down the valley to near the interstate, and, and then south because it's Steve's rope, so it goes south to El Paso. Um, and then in El Paso, uh, because... Um, you know, Steve's the guy that got it first. It, it goes straight up in the air. 
and it goes out pa past the moon, and it goes out past the sun, that's 93 million miles away, and then it heads for the closest star, which is Alpha Centauri, which is about four light years away. And it continues past that and, and then uh, on to the closest galaxy, which is the Andromeda Galaxy, um, which is about uh, five, if I remember right, about five million light years away. And then on out past that through the circle of galaxies in which we are the center of and then out past those. And then finally, well, it was last seen leaving the known universe about 42 billion light years away at the edge. This rope is your life. And you see this orange part here? Steve explained to me that this is my earthly life. This is my earthly life there at the end. And that's the rest of it. You will live through all of it. And it helps put our lives in perspective. Now, if you're not a visual guy, but you're a numbers guy for you engineers, <clears throat> Craig is an engineer. You guys know Craig. He figured out how long the beginning of eternity was mathematically. <laughs> and um, uh, there's only one thing that's about as hard to remember. It's the first number, and I, I've asked him several times because I have forgotten. Um, but I just want to share with you, it's 739. If you remember this, you got the rest of it. 739. Can you say that? 739. Okay, that's all you have to remember. Remember. So 739, but it's actually 739,000. Um, 739,000 trillion is how long it is. Um, but actually, it's 739,000 trillion um, sets. 739,000 trillion sets. That's a lot of sets. And it's actually sets of a trillion years. So it's 739,000 trillion sets of a trillion years each. And you can say that the beginning of eternity is now past. Imagine your life at the end of 739,000 trillion sets of a trillion years. You will be alive. And so will every other human being. What matters in life? Eternity matters. So when we look at what God says about it, we're going to grab some specific thoughts here. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. Again, this is out of Romans 8, that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Because what happens with kids? They inherit their dad's stuff. You are children of God, right? From the very beginning, through Adam, through Christ, every single way you can figure it, you are children of God. The children of Adam who are not in Christ are children who are dead. As the father of the prodigal son said, the son of ours who is dead 
is now alive. He was lost, but is now found. And everyone outside of Christ is a son of God who's dead. But we are those who are born again in the spirit. And as children, we're going to inherit our dad's stuff. And, and so we're heirs of God and we're fellow heirs with Christ because Jesus has inherited all of it. He, the kingdom has been given to him. But of course, as with so many legal documents, which we could say the Bible is, that God said it, so he stuck with it. There's a clause. There's an if clause. And the if clause in it all says this. If, indeed, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him. And what this touches is this message in the Bible that what this life is all about, we live not seeing God. It's astonishing. I, I feel like we, we astonish the angels because the angels, they see God. They know how big he is and they know how amazing he is and, you know, he's right there with them. And what do you think the chances are of the, that they're going to, you know, blow him off or disobey him? They see him. They look down at us and they watch us and they look at this disaster we live in and all the hardships we go through and we somewhere, somehow make a choice to honor God because we love Him and we know it's what He wants, even though it's not what we want, but we do it anyway. And all the angels go, whoa, did you see? They have never seen Him. They have never seen Him. And do you see what, they, you see what she just did? She would never have done that. But her heart loved God and she's never seen Him. And it's worthy of immense glory. I don't, we will never in eternity, as far as I understand, ever do anything worthy of the glory in which you can walk in right now. As soon as you die, it's over. You will never experience faith again. Because you will see him. Now you have not. Though you have not seen him, you love him, says Peter. So God says, when you suffer for me, when you lose something, when you, when, you, when you have some kind of a sacrifice because you're conscious of me, all heaven erupts. Did you see that? What was just expressed there? And there are some people that go so far that they lose their very life because they love Jesus Christ and they've never seen him. And all heaven erupts with wonder. And when that person shows up, do you want to bet they're going to get a nice robe? Count on it. And everybody will go, he deserves it. So, part, so what do we think? You know, we're Americans, so we got this figured out. I follow you, God, and you take all my problems away. I obey you, and I get a trouble-free life, right? That's the deal. Because... Everybody owes that to me. The government owes that to me. My insurance company owes that to me. And God owes it to me. I do the right thing, and it works for me. God says, eh, we've got a little education process here. <laughs> Guess what? That's a broken world, and you're still in it. <laughs> and that world crushed my own son, and that world's going to roll the same stuff into your life. And my son gave you an example. 
And he believed in his father and he trusted his father no matter what life brought to him. And he walked in faith in the goodness of the heart of his father. And you are his followers. And he will bless you. He will bring good to you. He will give you wonderful things. And we've all experienced that. I have experienced the blessing of God in this life. But there are times where God says to me, John, will you lose something for me? Will you walk where it's scary? Because you know it's what I want? I know it terrifies your heart. You would never do it for any other reason. Will you do it for me? I go, oh, I'll do it for you. Angels go, whoa. Look at that. And something glorious has come into the creation. A creature has followed God. That's our earthly calling. That's our earthly calling. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. In you, glory is going to be revealed. Sometimes you go, oh, I don't know if I should be glorified. Oh, you're going to be glorified. The children of God are going to be glorified. Now, it's not to your glory apart from God, but it is what you've brought to God, and it will be glory. Second Corinthians 4 says this, Therefore we don't lose heart in all our hardship, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's why we can live for eternity. Because we understand it's, 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 it's a long rope. It's a long rope. And what I do right here is going to shape what I experience in that rope forever. What you do here changes who you are in that rope. What are our rewards? It's not like we get a bunch of medals and we stick in a drawer up in heaven. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch of medals. You know, I got here, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, mowed my neighbor's lawn and I, I shared with the bus driver. And here's my medals. I believe you change. There are aspects of you that know God, that reflect God differently. You become a different person. And we're all loved in heaven, and we're all happy in heaven, and we're all completely content in heaven. But there are people that have dimensions of their life and richness in their life and expressions in their life and a fullness in their life that came because they walked with Jesus here. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There are stories from the first three centuries of Christianity in the Roman Empire of women scooping up their children to run into the arena to die for Christ. Because they believed in eternity. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. But I do know this. There was a clear belief that Jesus is real. And I want to please him. I want to honor him. I want my life to express faith in him. Isn't that different than where we're at in our American Christianity? But brothers and sisters, the simplicity of life here is going to change. 
The simplicity of life here is going to change. We have lived in a Christian culture. It's almost been heaven on earth. I don't think there's been ever a time in history that's been the same as the 19, from 1950 to maybe 2010. A history where so many people experienced peace and prosperity and justice and freedom. Everything the human heart wants in this life was here. But that's not normal history. And it's probably going to change. So, where does he go? 19 says this, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And here's where we get into these wild thoughts. The creation is waiting. To find out who you are. Those mountains out there, in some form or fashion, they're waiting to find out who you are. The trees, the grass, the flowers, the butterflies. The Bible says they are waiting in eager expectation for you to be revealed. What in the world is going on here? What is being shared? What's being communicated? For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it so that it can exist in a hope. So what happened? There was a creation that was wonderful and glorious, and there was a creature called man that was wonderful and glorious in it, and he was put stewardship over it all by the Father who was wonderful and glorious, and the creature disconnected, and when the creature disconnected, everything connected with that creature disconnected, and the whole creation fell into death. And the creation was once glorious. The creation was once wonderful. And the creation fell. Why? Because we fell. So what do you think is going to happen when we are redeemed back into that full Christ picture? The whole creation is going to go. And the creation re-enters a whole new unfallen state into your glory. It's waiting to exist in the hope of being liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So you will be redeemed. You will be made like Christ. You will belong. You will be one of the brothers. And you will be totally different. And the whole creation will go, we're back. Fitting and proper with the children of God. You've heard it, right? If you listen close, you can hear it. You walk past a group of trees and they go, I think it might be today. I think it might be today. Do you think it'll be back today? Because one day we're going to hear a trumpet, right? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When was the last time in your mind, dear Christian, you thought, well, the Lord could be back today. The Lord could be back today. 
again, something we sort of lost. You know, Jesus wants us all sitting on the edge of our seat. If Jesus was here today, he said, listen, guys, I want you to understand, you do not know. There's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound, and when it sounds, it's over. I am coming back for you. I am coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. And you do not know when. A trumpet is going to sound. It's over, and we're done, and we're out. And this is another picture that's meant a great deal to me. Hangs in my exercise room. I look at it often. Because sometimes I just really feel like I need that hug. And I look forward to getting it. And somehow, I mean, I don't, maybe it's just me how I see it, but I look at Jesus' expression and I go, He gets it. He gets it. Sometimes I wonder, does anybody get it? Do you ever feel like that? I don't know if anybody understands me. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if anybody ever could give me that hug where they get it. But Jesus is going to be able to give that to each one of us and he's going to grab you and you're going to know he gets it. He gets it. He gets it. And I'm home. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Dear friends, this moment is the center of your life. This moment. Everything you do before it will be revisited in this moment. And everything you experience after it will be shaped by this moment. This moment is the center of your life. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ you will get your hug. And everything you brought to him will be acknowledged and known and understood and received. And you will become what you've brought and you will live with God forever. This, in my understanding, is the center of the Christian life, this moment. Why do we live as disciples of Jesus? Why do we say, as for me and my house? Because nobody else can give me this moment. Nobody else is going to bring this from, to me. I live for that man. My loyalty goes to him. I am his follower. Poor as I am, bad as I am, he is my leader. I follow him. And I can't wait. You know, sometimes, you, have, you, ever, you know, probably oftentimes, I wish my life was over. I'm done with this life. I'm ready to go. And I have this thought, no, no, one more day. Because when I'm done, I'm done. I will never get to apply faith again. Okay, I can do this another day. I want one more day of rewards. I want one more day of squeeze. One more day. I can do it. You don't want out of here any sooner than he's got planned. 
you're going to want every single day of faith. Because they're all pretty short. They're all pretty short. All we got to do is get through this. That's it. For him, for him, for him, for him. We give him this. And he gives us this. I'm in. <laughs>